Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. Hey, if this is um, your first time in church ever, um, just want to say a huge welcome to you. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for helping us uh, celebrate this season of Christmas as we kick off a a brand new series of talks here at Creekside um, called Light of the World. My name's Jason, and I have the privilege of being on staff here at Creekside. And as I was uh, singing that last song, people were getting pretty excited about that particular song, people like pumping their fist in the air and that kind of thing. Uh, any cricket fans in the audience at all? Anybody see Dave Warner score 335 runs? Unbelievable. Not just was that unbelievable, his celebration was unbelievable. I've never seen a guy celebrate quite as intensely as Warner did after scoring 300 plus runs. It was pretty intense. And I got to thinking, we should probably kind of celebrate what God has done for us, a bit like Dave Warner does every time he you know, scores 300 plus runs because it's an incredible thing that God has done. So if you are brand new to church, you thought that that was the video, that's actually not the right video, it's a different video. Um, but if you thought that was a bit weird that people maybe had questions during the song but they seemed enthusiastic about the song, they kept raising their hand thinking they were asking a question about a song they really knew well, um, That is a normal thing here at church. People get excited about what they're singing, kind of like when Warner gets excited about scoring 300 runs. That's what we do around here when we get excited about what we're singing. So I want to do a quick poll as we start today and ask a simple question. I want to ask you if you have already started playing Christmas music in your car or at your home. Raise your hand if you're one of those people. Keep your hand up nice and high if you are the type of person that does it well and truly before December 1st, and you are proud of it. Keep your hand up nice and high, okay? There are some of us in the room, you can go ahead and put your hands down. There are some of us in the room that would say it is actually wrong, maybe even illegal, to start playing Christmas music before December 1st. Are there any people like that in the room? Would you raise your hand, proud enough to do that? Raise your hand if you just refuse to raise your hand at all, okay? raise your hand. Hey, we are kicking off this series about Christmas, and I'm one of those people that, quite frankly, would rather not play Christmas music before December 1st, but my family, especially my wife, she loves playing Christmas music all year round. And so I have a number of Christmas music favorites. Probably my favorite Christmas song of all time, though, is a song called It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. You guys familiar with that song, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year? I think we've got um, some lyrics for that particular song. I'm going to go ahead and turn this on. The song uh, has a number of different uh, verses to it, but this particular part of the song is kind of the chorus, and it says, it's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be much mistletoeing. That's actually my favorite part of Christmas is the mistletoeing part. And if you're not familiar with what that is, ask your parents later. Speaking of, of kids, if you're in the audience and you're like, hey, that guy's really boring. We have a much better program going on right now over in Upstreet and Wombaland. If you need to find out about that, if you're a kid and you're like, hey, let me out of here, find somebody in a bright green shirt and they will take you over there. They'd be happy to check you in. But this is probably my favorite part of Christmas is the mistletoeing part. And then I like this next part of the song. It says, And hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. It's the most wonderful time of the year. My family, um, we've had the privilege of having what I would consider a pretty traditional nuclear family for a long period of time. My side of the family and my wife's side of the family 
all of our siblings have been married and, and they have children. And so as you can imagine at Christmas time, there are tons of grandkids that come over and everyone's spouses come over. And I would say for the most part, for the last 20 years or so, my wife and I are actually celebrating 20 years of marriage this month. And uh, for the last 20 years or so, it's been a pretty wonderful time of the year, I would describe it, Christmas season. I'd also say that my memories, even of my childhood, were always fond memories of Christmas because it was, you know, cricket season in Australia, dominating other countries in cricket was a wonderful time of the year, and going to the beach was a wonderful time of the year, and having Christmas presents was a wonderful time of the year. And so I would describe this season up until about probably three years ago as a pretty wonderful time of the year, because even when loved ones were near, it was still pretty good. But about three years ago, something you know, pretty big happened in our family. I would say a pretty massive change happened in our family. My brother-in-law and his, his wife actually separated for the first time three years ago. And so all of the sudden, our family, who traditionally hosted Christmas every year, we had some things that we had to navigate, like who do you actually invite over for different parts of Christmas? So do you have people come over for Christmas Eve, or does everyone get together on Christmas Day? How are the seating arrangements going to be? That's a tough one to navigate. And so we began to experience what I would say, probably a lot of people in this room, whether you're a church person or not a church person, you'd say, well, when loved ones are near, sometimes that makes it the most wonderful part of the year. But sometimes when loved ones are near, it's not so wonderful, if we're all being really honest. And I remember the first Christmas season when I was trying to put out the name cards and figuring out who was going to sit at what table and who was going to sit next to which person, it being not so wonderful. In fact, as I think about that, oftentimes we would talk about this time of the year being the most wonderful time of the year because of what's happening in our lives, because of parties that we're going to or even maybe some gingerbread decorating, gingerbread house decorating that we're doing, or maybe it's because of presents that are being purchased or functions that you're going to, and you'd say, hey, because of what's happening, this tends to be a wonderful time of the year. Or you might say, hey, because of what's happening, I wouldn't describe it as the most wonderful time of the year. In fact, this time of the year is oftentimes when you run into things like problems that you can't solve, people that you can't control, and expectations that you can't meet, like maybe not having a present with you for your host, but keeping one out in the car so that you can hopefully meet their expectation. But if you really think about it, as I began to do three years ago, I discovered that maybe the problem to be solved wasn't my brother and sister-in-law and their marriage. Maybe I was the problem that needed to be solved. Maybe I was the person that I couldn't control my reactions and responses to what had happened. Maybe I was the one setting expectations that people couldn't meet. See, the, the reason why Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year is not because of what's happening. It's actually because of what already happened. That's what makes it the most wonderful time of the year. See, the fact that God loved the world so much, so much that he would send his only son, not like his second son or his sixth son, or 
It wasn't like he had a lineup of 10 sons to choose from, and he said, hey, I'm going to pick Jesus, number three, and send him into the world. It was his only son that he sent into the world that describes how much he values us, how much we're worth to him, how much he loves us, that he would send his one and only son in the world. That's the reason this is the most wonderful time of the year, because we celebrate not what's happening, but we celebrate something that already happened. That's what makes this the most wonderful time of the year. There are four different historical accounts of Jesus' life. And the first three of them, maybe some of you are familiar with this concept called the Gospels. We'll put them up on the screen. Matthew, Mark, Luke, the first three of them kind of follow Jesus' life in a chronological fashion. They go through the timeline of Jesus' life. But the fourth of the Gospels, John's Gospel, his account, his historical account of Jesus' life is radically different to the other ones that follow kind of the timeline of Jesus' life. It's interesting to me that John, who is actually known as Jesus' best friend, would write such a very different account of Jesus' life than these other three followers of Jesus. In fact, historians would say that John wrote this account of Jesus' story of his life right before he was about to die. Between 90 and 100 AD, John writes an account of Jesus' life. And John had lived through some of the most horrific circumstances that anyone could imagine. John was the guy that actually was at the foot of the cross with Jesus' mother Mary when Jesus is hanging on the cross and he watched his best friend die for the sins of the world. And then John was there as Jesus said to him, hey, take my mother and make her your mother and then take care of her. And so John would have been around He would have been around Mary and he would have heard all the stories of Jesus' childhood. And yet, unlike many of the other Gospels, John doesn't give us a record of Jesus' birth. In fact, John paints a picture in his account of Jesus' life that is so different to the other guys that wrote about Jesus. He lived through so many horrific things. He would have been a guy that watched Jerusalem as a Jewish man, this would have been tragic for him. He watched Jerusalem in 70 AD go through a seven-month war. And eventually, he would watch the temple in Jerusalem be burnt to the ground. He watched his friends, guys like Paul and Peter that hung out with Jesus, that they spent time together with Jesus, and they lived as the church began to start in Jerusalem and spread around the world. He watched his friends actually executed for being followers of Jesus. This guy, John, had a completely different perspective on Jesus' life. And as he gives the account, it's fascinating to me how that we can learn, as John learned, that although there are a number of things happening in our lives, even during this season of our life, that may be dark and terrible, John discovered something that I think is incredibly helpful for us during this season. No matter what's happening in your world, no matter what's happening in my world, to focus on the most wonderful time of the year, not because of what's happening, but because of what happened. John, I want to 
take us to the end of his account. And I want to show you the way he wraps up the whole account of Jesus' life. He actually uses the last two verses of the Gospel of John to tell us the whole purpose of why he wrote it. He says it this way. He says, Jesus performed many other signs. These are all the miracles, all the incredible things that Jesus did, healing people, feeding thousands of people. John says Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, meaning John actually saw Jesus do these incredible miracles, which are not actually recorded in this book. John says, I haven't even been able to take the time to write down everything that Jesus did. It's so phenomenal what Jesus did. The miracles are so incredibly lengthy. I wasn't even able to put every single one of them into this book. But, he says, here's the reason I recorded this. But, I wrote this, these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Here's the whole reason I wrote the account of Jesus' story. John says, the whole reason I did it was that you those that are reading it might actually know and understand who this guy Jesus was. In the midst of all the darkness that John experienced, in the midst of all the things that were happening in his life, he says, here's the reason I wrote it all down for you, so that you would have the opportunity to actually believe that Jesus was the Son of God and the Messiah. In the midst of all the darkness of John's world, he still, at the end of his life, believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And he said that in believing in his name, in believing in Jesus, in putting your hope, your trust, all your dreams, all your aspirations in the person of Jesus, you might have life. This word life that John uses, it's not the typical word life that we think of. In fact, the people reading this would have said, what do you mean, John, I might have life? I already have life. The fact that I can read this means that I have life. John would say, that's not the type of life I'm talking about. John would say, hey, there's a whole different life that you're maybe not even familiar with, but there's a life after this life, and that's why Jesus came. And by putting all your hope, all your trust, all of your aspirations, all your dreams in the person of Jesus and what he did for you when he died for you on the cross, you can have this life that Jesus brought into the world. Interesting that John finishes his account of Jesus' life by directing us to this life that he's talking to us about because John actually started his whole account of Jesus' life with these same words. Listen to how John starts the story of Jesus. He says, in him was life. This same concept that John finishes his account of Jesus' life with, he starts his account. He says, in this guy Jesus is life. Not this type of life, this physical life that you know about, that you experience every day. John was talking about a different kind of life, a life after this life. And he goes on to describe Jesus. In him was life, and he says, and that life was the light of all mankind. That life, Jesus, was the light of the world. Not the light for Jewish people like John not the light for people that weren't Jewish, the Gentiles. This is the light for everyone. Imagine John, between 90 and 100 AD, writing about Jesus' life. Imagine for a second. He had no clue that in 2019, we'd all be sitting in Australia, listening to his words about Jesus' life, and yet he knew the truth. He knew this incredible concept that Jesus was actually the light 
of the entire world, all mankind, not limited to any one group of people, not limited to any one type of person, a church person or not a church person, person that believes the Bible, doesn't believe the Bible, someone that believes in God or doesn't believe in God. Jesus isn't limited to any one type of person. John would say, no, 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 he was the light of all mankind. That's my friend Jesus. His light is for everyone. It doesn't matter whether you go to church or this is your first time in church. Consider yourself a Christian, not a Christian. Jesus is still the light for all mankind. Makes no difference. He goes on to describe the type of light. He says, Jesus was this light that shines in the darkness. And I love this phrase. And the darkness has not overcome it. Think about John's life for a second. All that he experienced, all the persecution that the Emperor Nero put on all of the followers of Jesus in the first century, the destruction of Jerusalem, his home city, the literally hundreds of thousands of people that the Romans destroyed, the temple being destroyed. Imagine the darkness that John experienced. And in the midst of that darkness, John says, oh, but you don't know my friend Jesus. He's the light of the world. Even this kind of darkness can't overcome it. So this season of Christmas, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know if you're facing where to put name cards this Christmas day, who to invite over for Christmas Eve, or whose house you should go to to celebrate, and whose house should you avoid. I have no idea what's happening in your world. But my encouragement to you this Christmas season is this. Don't focus just on what's happening. The problems you can't solve, the people you can't control, the expectations you can't meet. My encouragement to you this Christmas season is just like what John did. Focus on what happened not what's happening. And I want to give you a little bit of homework as you leave today. I want to invite you to, as you leave today, we're going to give you a little candle. looks just like this one. We spent, I think, all of five cents on each one of these candles. So Merry Christmas from us to you. Maybe you can keep it in your car and use it as a gift. You can re-gift it to somebody. Here's what I want to invite you to do this Christmas season. I want to invite you in the midst of all of what's happening in your world, on those days when you think, man, I don't know how to solve this problem. God, I don't know how to meet these people's expectations. I want to invite you to take your little candle. Even if you're not a church person, doesn't matter. You can do the homework. And I want you just to light the little candle. And as you look at that little light, I want to give you just a simple prayer to pray in the midst of whatever's happening, whatever darkness looks like for you. I want to invite you to pray this simple prayer, even if you've never prayed before in your life. It makes no difference. I want to invite you just to pray the simple words, Jesus, Jesus, you are the light and the life. And the darkness has no ability to overcome you. Jesus, you are light and life, and you overcome the darkness. And then because of all the fire issues in our area, blow it out. <laughs> Don't leave it lit. But then as the 
things start happening this Christmas season again and you start becoming overwhelmed again because of whatever darkness looks like for you. Go back to the candle. Light the candle. Just simply say, Jesus, you are light and life and you overcome the darkness. Jesus, you are light and life and you overcome the darkness. Whether you're a church person, not a church person, whether it's the first time in church ever and you were actually worried that the place might collapse or burn down, you were nervous coming in, I want to invite you, just take the little candle home this season. Light the candle. Pray a prayer. Jesus, you are light and life and you overcome the darkness. Let me pray for us. God, thank you that you preserved these words from John from the first century It's amazing. What a miracle that you preserve these words so that in 2019 we could listen to the story of Jesus from his best friend, John. God, I thank you that you provide a way for us in the midst of what's happening, in the midst of the darkness that's a part of our lives, even in this season that so many talk about as being the most wonderful time of the year. God, I thank you that you provide a way for us in the midst of the darkness, to see that you are light and that you are life and that you overcome the darkness. And I pray that you would help us this season to let that light into our lives, let that life into our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, listen, if you're here for the very first time today, I want to invite you to come back next Sunday. Uh, We're going to put up on the screen the service times that we have on Sundays. We meet here at 10 a.m. typically. We have children's programs that are going on right now. We have those every Sunday morning. We have kids programming that's going on. And so I want to invite you to come back because this week we started a series called Light of the World. But as we lead up to Christmas, we're going to continue to unpack this idea of Jesus being the light of the world all through the month of December. And we're going to celebrate the end of that series on Christmas Eve at six o'clock with a great family service. So we want to invite you to come back and be a part of this series on Sundays, but also be a part of celebrating Christmas Eve here at Creekside on Christmas Eve this year. So thanks for being with us. Let's stand together. We're going to sing one last song as we're dismissed tonight.